This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycast. is Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Good evening and welcome. I'm Stephanie Longmuir and you are listening to Stand Up Straight where we aim to provide a vehicle for the allied supporters to stand up for our GLBT and I community. To encourage and create greater inclusion, share stories, give advice, create dialogue or introduce a new way of thinking and most importantly of all, to facilitate change towards greater acceptance of our rainbow family in all its shapes and sizes. So thank you to Chris and Cam for another wonderful show and also to Milan for the news. Tonight I am joined by Clayton, who is going to be panelling for us. Hello, Clayton. Hi, good evening. Good evening. And also by Michelle. So hello, Michelle. Hello, Stephanie. I'm taking a very, very, very far back seat tonight. That's, (laughs) well, well, let's wait and see. But tonight we do have a very special guest who, of course, is no stranger to Joy, having hosted a show here for 17 years, I believe, and who most importantly is actually a life member of Joy. I don't think I've met a life member before. We have with us tonight Jodie Wilmer, so welcome Jodie. Thank you Stephanie and great to see you all. Thank you so much for the invitation. How does it feel being back in the Joy studio? Oh, it's just fantastic. I was just sort of admiring the new technology and I feel sort of, you know, I was reflecting back on when I first learnt how to panel and, and, you know, the evolution is amazing. What was our panelling like back then? Can I say back then? Is that offensive? Yeah, back then. No, no, (laughs) do it. I mean, I know I don't look old enough to have been, you know, on Joy for 17 years, many, many years ago. But, um, well, I first volunteered um, when Joy was in South Melbourne. Uh, above the home hardware shop in Clarendon Street. Uh, and did you guys ever go there? No. Oh, okay. No. So just no. picture this. It's a little row of shops. Downstairs is the home hardware. There's this really steep stairs. Like if you went to the market before the show and you had to carry your groceries up there, it was really hard, like really <laughs> steep. So when you got up there, it was just like this open plan office. And 
the the actual studio was open air like it didn't have walls and 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 at some stage we had two or three studios like that and you all had to be really really quiet and then uh yeah so the technology then was so different obviously a panel where you push buttons um cd players you know they were they existed then but then there were carts which were for the sponsorships which were like big cassettes and you sort of like put them into a machine and then hit the button like a super eight like yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. exactly which uh, probably a lot of people don't even know what that is anymore but (laughs) so yeah the technology was quite different now it's always bang so jody do you feel inspired being here to do taste of radio and to, to learn the digital panel and to to come back and do yeah, some panelling? That's a good idea, actually. Um, I, I, I am inspired to... I, I love Joy. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing organisation. And, you know, even if there's people who I haven't met before, the vibe of people um, who are interested in meeting others and exploring themselves and, and you know, being who they are authentically is, is great. So it, it's good to be back. Well, it's good to have you back, Jodie. And tonight we're going to talk a bit about... A variety of things that you do, and I mean, it, it, reading your uh, your biography, it, it was fascinating because it's it's very diverse. I mean, you've obviously had a lot of experience in not for profit organisations, um, but this company that your husband and yourself have started, Guest Ready, I'm, I'm fascinated with that because it is about you know that shared economy that so many of us are now sort of jumping on board with. Do you want to explain a little bit about Guest Ready and, and what you do? Certainly. Well, I, I was the CEO of Traveller's Aid, which is in this building here in, in Burke Street, uh, where Joy's located, and, and that was an amazing uh, career to, to help people in need, and, and I really valued that experience. But I got to a point where I thought, you know, it's been eight years in this role. Uh, I need to do something different. And I actually wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> Have you experienced mm, that as yeah. well? Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, I, I resigned from work and, and my partner, Rob, um, was supportive of that. And um, we listed my apartment on Airbnb, uh, which is a website for people who want to rent out spare space to people who need it. And it was hugely successful. Uh, we applied a lot of our experience in project management and our own travel and um, we found that we actually have some talents here so people were asking us for advice and I was having lots of cups of coffee and I wasn't earning any money and um, actually somebody said to us that they're interested in um, you know engaging us to help them so that's really how our business started. So we, we then started coaching people and um, providing consultancy services about the sharing economy, specifically about accommodation. Okay. And with that, do you do groups? Do you, do you bring in groups and do a seminar to, to help people or do you do one-on-one with helping them set up their, their properties and actually online? How does it work? Well, it, initially we started uh, coaching people um, one-on-one and we still do that um, but that's not very scalable and it, it's quite time intensive so we do seminars as well now which are on specific topics um, everything from taxation to insurance to owners corporations to how to get more bookings how to delight your guests uh, and pricing you know those sort of things so uh, we do some of those face-to-face but this year is the year for online education so we'll be doing webinars as well oh fantastic all right and with Traveller's Aid. Um, tell me a little bit about your role there. I know that you were CEO and perhaps you can 
I know what Traveller's Aid does because obviously I hear your ads on Joy and um, I've, I've heard you interviewed on, on Joy before about that. But perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what they do, what Traveller's Aid do on a practical level. Certainly. Uh, so Traveller's Aid was started in 1916 and actually this year is the 100th anniversary. Wow. Yeah, it's Fantastic. amazing. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it started by a, a group of women who came together to support women and children predominantly who are arriving in Australia from war-torn Europe. So people who were displaced, people who were seeking asylum, refuge uh, and support. And so the the evolution of the organisation really was about helping people who were very vulnerable and that continues to sort of be, um, I guess, a, a value that that Travellers Aid still continues to support people who are stranded in a crisis and in need. And obviously people's needs have changed over the years, but, you know, we can all be stranded and in a crisis if something happens um, in, an, in an unplanned way, whether we're visiting from someone else or even if we're, you know, working here in the city. So, Judy, uh, Judy do you still um, deal with international travellers? Because my understanding was that it was more domestically based, you know, people coming in from rural Victoria who are arriving at Flinders Street Station or Spencer Street Station and not knowing where to go and what to do. Yeah, so um, definitely the majority of people who use Travellers Aid services um, are domestic travellers um, and that includes people from regional or rural Victoria. So that my connection with Travellers Aid was when um, my nana used to travel from regional areas to Melbourne. She would always stop in and have a cup of tea at Spencer Street Station uh, and it's always been known for that welcoming hospitality. So yeah, there's a range of services also to provide support services for people with disabilities and mobility needs uh, both at Southern Cross and Flinders Street and I believe that there's a pilot location in Seymour as well. Wow. Okay so we are now going to go for a very quick break but when we come back I'm going to talk to you a little bit about universal public transport which I know is is another one of of your uh, interests and uh, how that relates to Travellers Aid. If you want to message in you can do so on Joy uh, sorry, 0427JOY949 or on air at joy.org.au. If you have media and presenting experience and want your voice heard, then don't waste any time. Applications to be part of the next JOY program grid close on the 12th of February. So head to joy.org.au for more information. JOY 94.9, your voice, your radio station.
was the thing, and now I just can't let it go. to Michelle on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. She's my mum. Oh yes, she is Nelson's mum, but you are listening to someone else's mum tonight. You're listening to Stephanie and Clayton and Michelle and Jodie Wilmer, who is our special guest tonight. You are on Stand Up Straight and thank you for joining us. I, we were talking before the break a little bit about public transport and this concept of universal public transport. Perhaps, Jody, you can explain what that actually means. And um, my next question is, in a perfect Melbourne, how would universal public transport run? Oh, great question. So I guess linking back to the whole idea of your program, Stand Up Straight, which is about inclusion and, and you know, people feeling um, valid uh, and... Um, included in every way and shape and form and in well-being and quality of life. So uh, I guess universal access um, for anything is people have a whole range of different needs and particularly people with disabilities or mobility needs. So uh, universal access provides benefits to a whole suite of people to access public transport or um you know, buildings um, to, you know, be able to get in and out of restaurants and cafes. And it could be as simple as having, you know, wide spaces that someone with a pusher can use or luggage, including someone with mobility needs or someone who's, you know, vision impaired. So, yeah, universal meaning everybody. With that sort of awareness, how do you think Melbourne rates as an accessible city for somebody who is perhaps disabled? Uh, there's been huge um, progress in, in certainly the last uh, few years, particularly around attitudes and behaviour um, of public transport staff and them understanding it from the passenger's perspective. 
But we also have issues with infrastructure that, that you know, isn't necessarily going to ever be accessible. So, you know, our 100-year-old year, year old tram network, for example, I mean, there's one uh, route, the Route 96, which is fully accessible now uh, with the what they call the platform stops or the bigger mm. stops. Um, but they're very, very expensive. So as time progresses and as infrastructure is upgraded, then there's certainly um, some good progress. And, and I think with buses particularly, the, the kneeling buses, um, that that's in many places is is very helpful but i think again you know we as passengers as commuters have a long way to go in in having an awareness of other people and their needs and i I see you know sometimes examples where people are just not really thinking about other people and and Mm. you can go a long way by just you know saying to someone you know do you need a hand or you know know, and and getting out of the way and (laughs) yeah it's interesting that you say that because i was on a tram coming in last week and there was a woman who had a double stroller with baby twins in it and um fortunately she was with a partner and a friend but without a partner and a friend without two other people there was no way she was getting onto that tram you know it was peak hour it was busy nobody was moving nobody was helping out and yeah and I kind of thought gosh you know what a brave what a brave move to actually come out at that time with this big pram but um yeah you wouldn't do it on your own well, that's right. And and sometimes people, um, you know, they have to go to medical appointments or they, you know, they've just got things to do and, and they might not choose about the time. So I think we all, as a community, have a um, need to have a better awareness about other people around them and, and how we can help them out. Now, Michelle's put her hand up, so we're going to let her speak. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one of the things that fascinates me, Jodie, is um, that one, you're a member of Destination Melbourne's Visibility Task Force. And I'm sure you'll, you'll explain what that is in more detail. But the, the, what it says here is working and thinking about providing an outstanding visitor experience. Now, we talk about being proud of our city and what Melbourne has to offer. And you look out the window of joy here and you look at what's around. You can walk in the streets at midnight here. And we're all pretty relatively safe. I love that. And I, I think Melbourne, and we've all travelled. You've probably travelled more than most. How do we create that visitor experience we know what our city has how do we create that visitor experience uh the the whole concept of it's actually visitability which is it's it looks like visibility but it's visitability and what that's about is um i guess the the friendliness of our city and and how easy it is to visit so we're focusing at the moment on sort of five key pillars one of them is about uh, digital in- access, so Wi-Fi. I mean, we all know that that's important when you're travelling. Um, also about uh, accessibility and inclusion, uh, right through to, um, I guess, a culture of, wel- of being welcome or a sense of welcome. And for visitors, that could be way before they even come to the destination, you know, when they're online looking around for places to stay or things to do. And I guess the, the thing that Melbourne does really well is uh, it's described sometimes as, as Team Melbourne. So in this is a collaboration, you know, uh, of people, of resources, of, of expertise to market Melbourne and Victoria as a great place to be and, and visit. And visitability is really about what experience is it that people are having when they arrive um, and how could we do that better. So public transport is one of those elements as well. Mm. We In... Um for many, many years, Australia seemed to have like this poor cousin mentality and maybe that we weren't worthy or we're not as important as the big cities around the world. And it seems like, and it's only my perception, I don't know if it's correct, that we now 
it's like now's our time we are proud of our city so i'm wondering what was that shift if you think that that is correct where's that shift come from for well, melburnians or australians well i think the fact that that particularly Melbourne and Victoria is so multicultural is one of the most amazing and rich assets. And, you know, that I think brings also um, a worldliness to the city of people who want to share it with others. And just today as I was walking on my way to the studio, you know, it's Chinese New Year at the moment and the Melbourne is just a buzz, mm. which is just fantastic. So there's, you know, all sorts of emerging markets coming into Australia, um, certainly China and, and India are the big growth markets coming in. But I think um, we're probably, uh, you know, people have travelled enough to sort of know what else is out there and, and infuse that back or, or being proud of it ourselves. And it's particularly, you know, culture and the art scene, um, certainly the gay and lesbian festivals that are on. I think for Sydney, the turning point, and, I, and I'm a Sydney girl and I was living in Sydney during the Olympics, I think for Sydney 2000 was the big turning point where, you know, we just showcased this magnificent city and, you know, a very successful Olympic experience for everybody. And um, so for Sydney, but, but Melbourne is interesting because, you know, I think having lived here for 10 years, I think that Melbourne is a city of festivals and you, you kind of go from one festival to the next and there's always something happened. When you're talking about Chinese New Year now and how exciting it is to be on, on the street, well, two weeks ago it was exciting to be on the streets because it was tennis and everybody was here for the tennis. And, you know, then it rolls into, you know, midsummer, and, you know, then we, we have the, the comedy festival. I mean, it's just one thing after another in Melbourne. There's always something happening and it's very well promoted and um, very well organised. I mean, Melbourne is a, you know, it's, it's voted the most livable city in the world for a reason and, yeah. Jodie, are we known for, um, do people know what Melbourne has, do you think? Do you think they realise until they get here? They don't realise we've got the International Film Festival, the Queer Film Festival and, you know, the Comedy Festival. That's all in one section of the year and there's the tennis and our football and our horse race. And our food, yep. Just the festivals alone and then they come here. Do you think people don't realise what we have? Well, I'll answer it a different way, actually, if you don't mind, Michelle. Um, Well, you know what I love the most about travel is that people travel for a whole suite of different reasons. Mm. And when I started first hosting on Airbnb, um, my very first guest um, corresponded with me from the US who was um, coming to Melbourne to the Tough Mudder competition, right? <laughs> yes. So, you know, this is this big um, obstacle course and mm. lots of mud and, you know, very Floaky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, girls do it too. And, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, very, um, uh, you know, physically active and, you know, I'm completely not a sporty spice. And I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. So I had all these preconceived ideas about this guest and when he was going to arrive. And so anyway, we coordinated the check-in at his, at his uh, office here in Melbourne because he had some things to do for, for work before he went to the apartment. And um, when he opened the door, I got such a shock because he just didn't look sporty at all. In fact, he was an IT dude mm-hmm. who was um, here for the um, uh, capturing of, of, you know, webinars or, or telecasting or something. So the reason he was here was actually, you know, to be of support to that major event. Mm. And what I think is very interesting, especially about the sharing economy, is all of the interesting guests who come to stay who are coming for a whole suite of different reasons. And often they're performers in, you know, the Fringe Festival or, you Mm. know, Midsummer or or Carnival or whatever. I have been 
an Airbnb host as well. But we might come back to that after this short break because my story is a bit long and boring. Um, well, <laughs> not boring. Well, it's not going to be boring. No, it won't be boring, but it is a bit long. So we will we'll take a break and we'll come back with Jodie and Michelle and Clayton just after these short messages. And just to our, our Lunar New Year celebrating people, Gung Hei Fat Choi, which I only know how to say in one language. I apologise if you speak a different language. Um, if you want to message in, 0427 JOY949 or on air at joy.org.au. Hi, this is Adelaide, and you're listening to my mum, Stephanie, and Michelle on Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. Thank you, Addie, for that (laughs) lovely little promo. Yes, you are on Stand Up Straight, and tonight you've got me, Stephanie, and you've also got Michelle and and Clayton, who's doing our panelling, and we have Jodie Wilmer with us tonight. We've been talking quite a bit about Melbourne and uh, Melbourne as a tourist destination. We were talking about the visitability task force and what it does. But, um, Jodie, I'm wondering, in your opinion, what is Melbourne's most outstanding visitor experience? Okay, this is an easy one. Um, We recently had a guest come and stay with us um, under a, um, a, from a website called Workaway. So this is a website where peop- you can put your house online and you can offer jobs for people to come and do and they can come and stay with you in return for board. So a young woman from Germany came to stay with us, a gorgeous woman. We had some things in our business that we wanted help with. And when she arrived and we were coming into the city anyway, we said, we'll take you to the best place in Melbourne. And she was like looking around, looking around. I said, okay, if you like good views, you'll love this. So what we did was go to the Sofitel Hotel, which is at the Paris end of the city, up um, near Parliament House, up to the the toilets where, the, where the, the cocktail bar is and both the men's and the ladies, and you can see fabulous views of the city. Now, you know, she's now gone on to Adelaide and she's gone back to Germany and she still raves about how awesome that was. <laughs> I love that view. I mean, it's a hidden secret. Isn't it a floor to ceiling? Mm. Yeah, it's flawed. Yeah, it's quite it's quite spectacular. I agree, and that's your and you think that's the best. I, you know what I like about that? I like to give people a perspective of where they are and from mm. above, and mm. you know that that's pretty cool. I mean, there are other higher vantage points around, but do you know years and years and years ago, and I don't remember who it was. It was probably about thirty years ago, and somebody said to me, "When you're walking in the street, always look up because you never see." Like you don't see the edge of a building or a roof unless you look up. You're always eye level or, or shoulder height or, you know, one floor up. And I always remember that. And it's amazing you see these gargoyles on buildings or you see yes. a little window or someone's got their, their veggie gar- their herb garden on their windowsill five floors up. And it's really, there's lots of different ways to view a city, isn't there? So coming back to... To, to you, Jodie, and your bio, because there were lots of great words in your bio, including visitability, um, that we've all stumbled over. But um, there's also a term here, conscious governance. What is conscious governance? So uh, my first board position was uh, a bit unexpected. You know, I, I was working in the tourism industry and, and I had to um, go onto a board as sort of part of my work and I had no understanding about governance. I didn't do any due diligence. I just sort of went along and, 
you know, there was a committee meeting and um, it was a huge learning curve. And, and, a, and I really sought out um, a lot of mentors. One of those mentors is Stephen Bowman, who is the founder of Conscious Governance. And he delivered a most amazing strategic planning session for this industry uh, group at the time. And I, I then moved to be the, um, the chairperson. And uh, we kept in touch over many years. So Fast forward 20 years, uh, when I left Travellers Aid, I, I said to him, you know, I'm sort of interested in, in now that I've got this experience of being on boards, reporting to a board, chairing a board, um, being a bit of a governance geek, uh, is there something we could do together? And he initially said to me, oh, Jody, I don't want to have any employees. I, I just like being doing my own thing. I said, no, no, I don't want to be your employee. So what, we've, what we do is we work together um, and uh, now... I do strategic planning, governance, um, risk, uh, board evaluations uh, in partnership with Conscious Governance. It's a lot of fun. Okay. And that is on a consulting basis. So I could come to you with my business and say, Jodie, I need some help. And you would walk me through the process of conscious governance it's predominantly not-for-profit organizations Um, for example um, just this weekend uh, we went to Canberra to facilitate a strategic planning uh, workshop for a a peak body in um, the mental health sector Um, so you know they're they're wanting another three-year plan how what will that look like in engaging with their board and their staff and um, yeah traveling to regional Victoria to help two volunteer organizations who are merging to, to get that governance right for their community uh, it's really interesting. What is it about not-for-profits that you like working for? I'm passionate about social justice. Right. So I, and I guess that's part of my upbringing with my family, um, that, and, and a lot of the work, the really good work that not-for-profits do is about um, human rights and, and social justice and inclusion. And if I can be a part of that to help them, you know, develop their strategic plan or, or make sure they've got the right skills on the board, Oh, that's really rewarding. Are you happy to talk about your family background and, and yeah, sure. where where those sort of roots for social justice came from? Yeah, absolutely. Ask away. All right. So so who was who was your inspiration when you were young? Uh, I'd have to say both my mum and my dad. And and I'm not being diplomatic. It's true. Um, I think my mum was quite shy and she uh, didn't ever want to be necessarily in the limelight. And she struggled quite a lot with depression. And um, she she found a great support in some organisations, uh, particularly some self-help groups, which I'm really grateful for, and, and they made a big difference to the quality of her life. Um, and my dad, you know, he, he started um, as a Rotarian um, in his sort of, you know, um, 30s maybe, and was really committed to that and um, made a great contribution in lots and lots of ways. So, you know, they were very active involved in... Um, small ways in our communities um, and in big ways in, um, you know, certainly supporting causes that they believed in. And were you a young Rotarian? Did you no, know? no. I have a friend, Cheryl, who is adamant that she wants me to join. Every time I see her, she, and she's listening. She, actually, Cheryl used to be on Joy with me on the Detours Travel Show. Um, no, I, I, I was a Rotary Exchange student. And where did you go for your exchange? I went to Germany. Okay. Mm. So that is was, that what got you started? Started in... Wind travel? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, and yeah. how old were you when you did your exchange? Uh, I was 17. Okay. So and I'd finished high school in Australia. 
Okay. And you did 12 months in Germany. And did you have to go back into a school situation there? Yes, I did. And it was hilarious because, you know, I thought four years of German high school would be adequate to be able to, you know, communicate and participate in education. But um, it, it took a while. I wasn't very academic anyway as a, you know, as a young person. In fact, I'm surprised I even passed year 12. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, I, I really thrived in the experience of being in Germany as an exchange student. And I, I got to do lots of presentations and talk about Australia and went on lots of excursions and met some great people. So you're talking uh, about before, Jodie, about social justice and inclusion and maybe that sense of giving back and community work. So is that what led you to joy? Definitely. Yeah. And uh, why joy, though? And why uh, not okay, else? so... Um, Oh, that is an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> we do have them occasionally, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> well, uh, what happened was I, I became very good friends with Andrew Belknaps, who I worked with then later uh, in the tourism industry. And, and he said to me one day, you've got a really good voice. Maybe you could be a good on radio. <laughs> Maybe we could have like a travel show. I know, like on Joy. And I said, oh... Okay. Well, did you right. know of Joy then, though? No, oh. I did. I, I don't really listen to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you do uh, now, though. Of yes, course. of course, of course. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm more of a podcast sort of gal. Hmm. Um, and so he encouraged me to come, and we we did our first um, pilot show uh, at about ten o'clock at night on a Monday night. Wow. Now Joy at that stage only had a part time license, mm-hmm. and so it shared the airways with the Muslim radio, and it was you know Ramadan and then Joy and you know all around, and. Um, I really loved it. As soon as I sat in the chair and behind the microphone, I thought, oh, this is fun. So, and as I understood it better about um, the community, the gay and lesbian community, um, I, I wanted to be part of that. And, and I was in a relationship with a woman at that, that point in time and I identified as being a lesbian. Um, and now I'm in a relationship with a guy and um, identify as being straight. So mm. that's sort of it. You, um, t- so do, uh, does Joy hold this part in you that you would never shake? Is it, is it, and it's partly shaped the direction that you've taken in your career in a sense and that the interests that you have. And I know you've got a bit of a focus on GLBTI travel as well. So is that what, is that where that all kind of started? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's shaped my career because I think the opportunities have either been created or, or were quite separate. But what mm. it did, helped me understand was the complexity of um, community-led organisations and, you know, and Joy's not an isolated example, but where, where there's a lot of well-meaning people who want to get involved, um, how can we equip them to have the better skills and to, to really um, perform at that governance level? And I think Joy's a great example of, um, you know, doing that well with subcommittees and, and some mm. really good, talented people. Um, I always think that there's... Um, there's a difference between people wanting to be involved uh, as a hobby or an interest in something and then what is it that they can bring that's actually about strategy. Mm. And I think that's quite fascinating for me. It is, and strategy, I would think, is different in different industries as well. Or is there a like a, a generic approach to strategy? Oh, no. I mean, there's lots of different approaches, but mm. I guess what the, the approach that, that we often use or always use is about you know, you can't have a strategy unless you have a strategic awareness to start with. Mm, so, mm. you know, the mindset has to be different um, in order to see those possibilities. Thanks, Jodie. We are going to take a short break now and we will come back after the break with some more chat with Jodie and uh, you are on Stand Up Straight. Come with me and we'll be 
In a world of pure frocculation. Hello lovelies, it's Frock Hudson and you're listening to Stand Up Straight on Joy 94.9. You are listening to Stand Up Straight tonight and uh, we do have a special guest with us. We have Jodie Wilmer, no stranger to Joy. And we have been talking a lot about not-for-profits. We've been talking um, about some of the different roles that Jodie has undertaken and most recently her and her life partner have set up a business called Guest Ready. And I guess, you know, one of the things that that I'm interested in, Jodie, is what is actually the synergy between Guest Ready and, you know, other home sharing sites, for instance, you know, Airbnb, the one that we all know of? Well, there's such a plethora of different ranges of, um, of ways to connect people with underutilised assets with people who need them and and I guess we've seen this huge growth uh, around the world of different web platforms that connect people with people for different purposes so you know pet sharing and right through to micro jobs Um, you know if, if you um, need a, a task done and yeah. you don't have time to do it and you can you know get somebody else to do that and I've used those services as well they're, they're awesome um, and I guess you know people are looking for something else people are looking for different sort of um, ways to earn income they're looking for different ways to meet people and to live a more authentic life and what I think is most exciting about where we're at now is that um, there are many people who are looking for uh, new types of freedom um, to be empowered and to create a sort of different lifestyle and and the, and some of these sharing economy platforms can help people do that. You touched on something before that was really interesting when you were talking about a review that had been posted when you had stayed um, in a, um, an Airbnb um, accommodation. And I think that, you know, with all of this... Um, sharing economy the thing that we have to be so mindful about is that our reputation becomes incredibly valuable because that's really all we've got people read reviews like you I'm a I'm a, an Airbnb host as well and I'm very mindful of really looking after my guests because you know all my reviews are there and people read them and likewise if I'm if someone's coming to stay in my home I will read all about them and find out about them too so and it, and it's all there but you, it's something that um uh, I, my husband and I started when our son was very young was hosting exchange students and the students that would come to our son's school started out with two weeks and then we ended up having students live with us for six months and I think 18 months is the longest and the most common question without a shadow of a doubt from other people is how can you have a stranger in your house <laughs> how? and it's literally that was the most common question it's the same hmm. to, to you guys do you get asked that about hosting people well i i host when we're away so Mm. i will when i set my calendar up i will look at my year and think about when we're going away there's still a stranger in your home isn't it yeah but they look i check them out very carefully and you know we've had wonderful experiences i I, you know i think you remember last year at football grand final time i had jonathan brown and his family come and stay and you know he came back to collect a um, a charger that he'd, he'd left at the wall and, and we were chatting and um, he said, you know, because I'd given him a list of all the great parks and the different things to do with his children because he's got three three children. And he said to me, you didn't tell me about that little park in the back lane, Steph. And I said, oh, um, oh no, I forgot about that. He said, oh, I took the kids up. 
into the the park one afternoon and you know they're having a little play it's this I mean I live in the inner city and it's this tiny little park and little back lane and and he said you know and I'm in the in the park and this boy comes along and says oh are you Jonathan Brown and and he says yeah I'm Jonathan Brown and and the little boy runs off and he comes back with his foot in he says will you play kick to kick with me Aww. and there was Jonathan Brown in this tiny park in this inner city with this little boy having kick to kick That's and gorgeous. you just think you know like he had a really well, I hope he had a really great experience in my home as a member of my community, in my home, in my suburb. Everyone embraced him and welcomed him. He wouldn't get that same staying, you know, in one of the hotels in the city. It I was... wonder if that's the word. You said the community. Is, the, is that ultimately the difference? Is you're part of a community if you're staying in the suburbs? Not a, I'm not saying you can't stay in a hotel that's in the suburbs, but that's what it is, isn't it? I think we're, people are... are Many people are looking for an authentic experience yeah. where they can live like a local. Mm. And certainly, you know, we travelled recently to Paris for the Airbnb Open, uh, a world conference that we were speaking at as host educators. And, you know, of course we stayed at Airbnb. We got to meet a local Parisian and, you know, um, and, and it was great to have that connection and, and hear her favourite coffee shops and, and be part of her community, as you described, mm. or in that neighbourhood that we wouldn't have had that opportunity to go and stay in. We stayed, um, my husband and I were in New York coming up to three years ago and we stayed in the guy's apartment the beauty of it was that when amongst many things but he was there he helped us schlep the suitcases up to the fifth floor because there was no elevator and show us his New York and his view and you don't get that you can have a wonderful concierge and I know um, that that that's a big thing in a hotel but the person's own experience is you cannot replace that I think so, Michelle, you were asking during the break about setting up, about setting up your place well, as an an Airbnb. Yeah, and and because Stephanie, you live so close to the city, and I can understand if I was thinking about coming to Melbourne from another state or country, I'd think, oh, I'd love to go and live where she is. I'm going to stay, you know, stay at Stephanie's house for a month. But I live out in the burbs in one Turner, and I kind of think. Jody, why would anyone want to come? I've got a few spare bedrooms oh, now. There's very simple reasons. So, for example, you know, there might be someone who lives in that in your neighbourhood in, say, Wonturna, who is expecting a baby, but they don't have room for the grandparents to come and stay. Ah, oh, see there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it could be someone who's studying at the TAFE. Yes. It could be parents oh. who are visiting their children. Yep. Um, Christmas time, and they oh, haven't got okay. a, you know the accommodation. Somebody they need. working yep. at one of the industrial, light industrial area things. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why people need to travel and i i i'm gonna let clayton <laughs> i am here uh, <laughs> um is rainbow travel compatible with the home sharing experiences mm. could you ask that question again please? sorry yeah is uh rainbow travelers are they compatible with home sharing experience well or? in my experience definitely definitely mm. I, I think there's a lot of people from all sorts of walks of life who are open to sharing their home um and certainly in a lot of profiles there will be um, people will actually make note, you know, I'm GLBTI friendly or my partner and I, and, and you know, they'll mm. describe who they are in their profile, which, you know, when you're reading that, you, you say, oh, okay, these are the sort of people who I'll gel with and they'll be good with me. Um, I, I've never really experienced any issues with people who haven't got that. I, I think um, 
or haven't haven't been open and welcoming. Um, that's not to say it doesn't happen because you know there's people of all sorts of walks of life. But I think there's definitely you know certainly in some of the big platforms you can nominate and specifically put you know a little bit more about your preferences and you know so your do, lifestyle. Sorry, do people ever write no homo or is there anything to that yeah. effect? Gosh, I um, I've never seen that, but I'm, I imagine um, that would be against the terms and conditions mm-hmm. of any platform, and they'd be onto that. Okay, so that's good. Clayton, when you travel. Do you look for GLBTI friendly, or it becomes irre- or it's something that's irrelevant to you? I uh, I sometimes do, especially when I'm travelling on my own. But oh. when I'm with my partner, he we have different sort of tastes in hotels and stuff, and mm. I usually defer to him because he's in the industry. So you know, you're in the industry, you decide, and he's like, "Oh, it's your choice as well." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know what you're doing." <laughs> so it's, you know, back and forth, and not really getting anywhere. Um, so I. Sometimes do. Certainly, I've said before on the show, in Thailand, I use Mm. queer-friendly accommodation and last time I was in Berlin, um, I did the same and that was a really interesting experience with the... uh, please disturb um, sign for the door. Uh, (laughs) That was, yeah. (laughs) There was the three. There was still the do not disturb and the please make up the room, but there's also please Please disturb. disturb. (laughs) And did you try that out? uh, No. If I was on my own, I might have. (laughs) Is that that an off-air conversation? (laughs) No, I think that's an on-air conversation. (laughs) I think that would make for great listening. And there was certainly some spaces in that building. It was a hotel because that's my style of travel um, that were sort of, hookup spaces and stuff as well. So, really? Yeah, it was very interesting, actually. <laughs> but wow. the Please Disturb did not go up because my partner would not have approved. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Jody, how does, um, how does Melbourne rate, if you have an answer, uh, as a GLBTI destination? Uh, well... Over 20 years ago, when I first started working in the tourism industry, there was this thing called the pink dollar, and it was viewed as a niche Mm. and a market Mm. segment. And, and, you know, I remember discussions with Tourism Victoria and Tourism Australia and Australian Tourism Commission, they were called then, um, you know, about how is it that we can capture this market? And I always said, well, what are we actually offering people? Mm. Let's think of it from that point of view. And, And as we became, I guess, more evolved, you know, as an industry about, delivering authentic experiences that meet people's needs and people become a lot more aware of customer service requirements as well. Um, I think Melbourne now is is a world-class destination for GLBTI visitors, absolutely. Mm. And, I mean, not only do we have um, a, a good culture of inclusion, great events, but we have a lot of people who are involved in the community and, and you know, in, in professions, in, in corporate life, in education, who are out and proud, and that's awesome. Um, I think we're going to go for a, a very quick break, Clayton, and then we'll come back and um, see if there's some more Benny questions that we've had. Uh, you're on Stand Up Straight on Joy. You're viewing Forecast for Melbourne. Today, cool, a top of 22 degrees. Nice. Revised Forecast. Melbourne, rain, a top of 31 degrees. What? Revised Forecast. Melbourne, sunny, a top of 39 degrees. Why, Melbourne? You can't always rely on the forecast, but you can rely on the Pancake Parlour. When the temperature hits 30 degrees or more this summer, you'll cool down with a free drink at Joyce Sponsor, the Pancake Parlour. Yeah, a free drink. A delicious Swiss mountain malt, creamy ice cream soda, lemon iced tea, or traditional house-made lemonade. Register now at summerparlour.com.au for your Summer Parlour loyalty card. 
Thanks to the new night network, your midsummer night out doesn't need to end early with night tram services every 30 minutes. Stay out and play all night, Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, you can get home any time of the night on tram routes 19, 67, 75, 86, 96 and 109. Mm. Open up your night with night trams. Ding, ding. Thanks to Joy's sponsor, Yarra Trams. Be an ally. Talk it out. Educate yourself. Stand up straight on Joy 94.9. Good evening. You are on Stand Up Straight and thank you for joining us. You are here with Stephanie and Clayton and Michelle and our guest tonight, Jodie Wilmer. Jodie, we touched a little bit earlier on the conference that you attended at the end of last year with Airbnb in Paris. And if I remember correctly, that was around the time of the terrorist attacks. That's right. Uh, So we completed day zero, which was the rehearsal days, um, day one, which was the full day of the conference, day two. And then there was the the terrible, tragic um, attacks in the evening on, on the 13th of November. And we were there in um, in Paris at the time, and and fortunately we were um, safe from it and, yeah. and out out of. But we were very close to to one of the the, bom- the attack sites of the bombing. Um, yeah, it was. And how did the conference proceed after that? Well, it didn't. Um, yeah, th- there was going to be. Um, an evening of, um, you know, like a host dinner that uh, that night on the Saturday and then on the Sunday some other activities uh, and they were all cancelled, um, okay. which was really, you know, devastating for so many of the staff from around the world who'd yes. you know, spent a lot of energy and time to, to develop it. Um, but it just was not um, appropriate nor safe no. to do that. And you were presenting at the conference. Mm-hmm. What, what was your topic? Well, this is a bit meta and I'll try and get it sort of brief. Um, so Rob and I, uh, in conjunction with two other hosts in Melbourne, um, Paul and Justine, went to the San Francisco inaugural Airbnb Open in November the year before. And we had such an amazing time and we decided that we should share that with other people when we came back to Melbourne. So we held an event in February 2015, reporting back to the host community of Airbnb hosts in Melbourne about that experience. And we called it the Airbnb Open Review. And it was so successful. We had like over 100 people. It was the biggest host-led event we're led to believe around the world. And it got the Thank you. It got yeah. the attention of, you know, people from the head office in San Francisco and the, the country office in, in Sydney. And they all went, oh, wow, this is awesome. We love you to help inspire other people to share it with their own communities. So our host educator session was how to run an Airbnb open review. Oh, fantastic. Great, great topic. And um, you have some presentations coming up later this year. Would you like to, to talk a little bit about that, Jodie? Yes. Um, so one of the, the things that we've been invited to be part of is the Work From Anywhere conference, which will be in November, on the 5th of November in Sydney. Now, um, we were connected again through um, a, a mutual friend via Facebook. Um, and uh, the Work Any, Work From Anywhere conference is really about people who want to uh, empower themselves and um, connect with people, inspire themselves and to have more flexibility and freedom. Mm. So you might be familiar with a term called digital nomads. Mm. Yes. Okay, so people Mm. who work on the laptops from anywhere. There's a lot of people who might not be um, of a younger generation, but they still want adventures. And so this conference is bringing people together, and we're talking about ways that you could utilise your home or, you know, a holiday house or um, an apartment so that you can earn income, so you can travel. 
We're going to have to wind up there. <laughs> it's is so there, sad. Is, I know, it's so sad. It's gone so quickly. Jodie, is there a website where people can get information on that just quickly? There is. It's um, wfa.life. Work from anywhere. Fantastic. Jodie Wilmer, thank you so much for being our guest tonight on Stand Up Straight. Coming up next, we do have the Spirit Lounge with Mark and Claudine and Rachel. So we need to skedaddle out of this studio pretty (laughs) quickly. But before we do, your weekly challenge, of course, is what will you do this week to stimulate dialogue, create change or encourage involvement? Or get on a plane. Oh, yes, or get on a plane. (laughs) Or open up your house. (laughs) Yes, you have been on Stand Up Straight with Stephanie and Clayton, Michelle and Jodie tonight. Well done, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. find more joycasts and show blogs go to joy.org.au thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by australia's lgbtqia plus community media organization joy help us keep joy on air head to joy.org.au joy a diverse sound for a diverse community